Okay, it's Sunday, uh, May 7th. So now we're going to uh, start talking today about confessing God's words when we speak. So why should we speak God's word? First of all, our feelings are all over the place. Circumstances and popular opinions constantly change. Sometimes our information or our perception is incorrect. Our speech is often inconsistent and it's worthless as far as making any difference in our circumstances. So we should not let feelings or circumstances drive our speech. Only divine wisdom is steady, dependable, unchangeable, and blessed. So let's go to Romans 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that the will of God is, and that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Mine also says well-pleasing. Okay. In the Amplified, it says, do not be conformed to this world, this age. So it's a time frame, too. Okay fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed and changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his will for you. So for all of us as a group and for all of us as individuals, to speak with the perfect will of God. <clears throat> okay, now I have um, just a few, if you just want to listen, because uh, they're just one, one uh, sentence verses. Okay. If you want to read, or do you want to go to them? Luke 18, verse 27. Jesus replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Mark 13, verse 31, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So right there are two <coughs> apostles that wrote the exact same thing. And all these verses go back to confirm what we read in Romans. <coughs> and that Jesus' word never passes away. Right. <coughs> Jesus is truth, and his word is eternal. He does not change. His words remain the same and do not change. They do not lose strength and they do not fade away. His word is forever and always dependable. 
written and spoken with the full guarantee of his name and his blood. So uh, let's go into the Psalms, do a couple verses there. Okay, Psalm 12. Can I make a comment, Tina? Sure. I think the first scripture we read in Romans about the world, I think there is an age of time. Because I'm walking around with Brayton and these girls and the stuff they're in, and I've never seen kids so disrespectful and mean and angry and hateful that yeah. I'm seeing in a time right now. Yeah. All these kids that most there's there's some of them blessed, but there's a lot of parents that have kids that are dishonoring them and disrespecting them and treating them terrible. And I've never seen that in such an age. I never have either. Now. It wasn't even it wasn't tolerated we when we grew up. What, when this first started with me and the girls, I thought maybe it's just me, but it is not. No, no it's, it's not. There's tons and tons of families, and something's it's going on. all over the place. Something spiritually is going on, and it's part of this age time we're in. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you what, from my viewpoint, what I've seen, because I'm older than you. <laughs> not by much. <laughs> when I went to college from 69 through 72. I saw that as a big change in society. And my degree's in sociology. Right. So I look at these trends, and I enjoy society people watching, right. and looking and, and put it, connecting the dots as to what's happening in our society. And back then is when they started all these social issue, issues and civil rights, okay. There were a lot of things that did need to change in our society, okay, to treat people as humans and not worry about the color of the skin or your social status, that we should have respect for everyone and equal opportunity. And, of course, feminism was really big when I was in college, so that was the real beginning of the feminist movement movement. All these liberties and freedoms and abilities and opportunities that women have today started with me and my generation. Okay. Because I had a mouth on me. Okay. The problem is um, you saw a lot of groups changing. So whereas I believed equal opportunity, equal partnership, male and female equal, honoring each other, sharing the burdens the task, the, you know, everything, the opportunities for work, opportunities for household jobs and everything. I saw it as equal. Right. Whereas people radicalized their ideas. So you have these outrageous feminists that, you know, wouldn't let a man open a door for them anymore. And I can do it. I don't need a man. I can have children. I can get children when I don't need a man to get children. Okay. Right. Okay, so you saw that. I can go to a sperm bank or whatever, or, you know, I can have someone just impregnate me and I can just go do my own thing. Okay, so there, there was one part of society. Right. Then you had this whole thing about peace. Okay, peace, peace. If it feels good, do it. <coughs> if it's not hurting someone, you can do it. Do whatever you please. Okay, so there was that freedom business. Well, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. If it feels good to you, go ahead. 
starting to move away from God and the Bible and the scripture and, you know, the, the church life. You don't want to get up and go to church? Fine, you don't have to go. So there's that part of the society that was starting to, to divide. Then you had this whole parenting thing, Dr. Spock. And I see that as a really big thing. That, uh, well, it was, I'm okay, you're okay. And then that filtered down, well, if your child feels good doing it, if your child wants to throw a temper tantrum, let them go ahead and get it out of their system. No discipline. No teaching them standards of how to behave in public or anywhere else. No standards for speech. If the kid wants to scream and carry on, and then now that's gone to cussing out the parents and cussing everybody that doesn't agree. That that, that was a slippery slide going down with with like giving the child freedom and not being a parent, being the friend instead of the parent. Yeah, uh, being the friend and not being the person who gives discipline and standards for living. You saw that start. Oh, back in the that's 70s when too? it started. Okay. Yeah. Um, that my was. Mom was never like oh, that, that was the beginning. I was that. a strict disciplinarian, yeah. and so was Bing. Our kids were brought up strict. Yeah, so are my. And they were brought up to earn and appreciate. We didn't hand. Tiffany had a lot of friends that their parents did everything and paid for everything. The kids never had to lift a finger to do a thing. Right. Mommy, Daddy did everything. And even Tiffany said to me later on when they after graduation, because they used to throw that in her face, well, so-and-so's mom does all of this. She doesn't have to. So-and-so's dad, you know, is buying them a car and is buying this and sending them on vacation and dad's paying for everything. Kids never had to do a thing. No responsibility in the house, nothing. Didn't even have responsibility to get good grades in school. And boy, I insisted on that. Right. You know, by God, you better have good grades and, and, and plan for a good future. And part that's part of it. That's part right. of your responsibility. Absolutely. Get an education. And but see, the people were getting away from that and even Tiffany after graduation from high school and getting out in college and out kids out her friends out in the world working college or whatever and they couldn't do a thing to help themselves. Yeah. And they'd come back to Tiffany and ask her for her opinion. Even their mothers would ask Tiffany for an opinion on what to do about situations. Because Tiffany was brought up to be responsible. Mm -hmm. And they were taught how to manage an apartment or wherever they're gonna be living when they get right. out of the house. They were taught how to do everything, cook, Laundry, all that. Uh, they were made to to work and earn towards their cars. We helped out, but the, we didn't just buy the cars outright. Mm -hmm. Totally paid. They had to earn part of it. Right. Uh, same thing with expensive clothing, designer clothing. This is what I'm willing to pay for jeans. You want sixty or eighty dollar jeans? You have to make up the difference. Babysitting, whatever jobs you do. You're going to make up the difference. I'm not paying $80 for a pair of jeans. But the other parents did. See, it's all these little things that start down the slope. And then there's the mouth, the speech. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're. And parents would start to be, well, you know, she's upset. She didn't really mean it. Yeah. Uh, and the more you let them get away with that kind of right. speech, the more entrenched it becomes well, until there's no 
honor, respect, or dignity left in the relationship between the parents right. and the kids. Right. Well, that's funny because Psalm 12 says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases to be, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak falsehood to one another, with flattering lips and with a double heart they speak. Yeah, May the Lord cut off all their flattering lips by tongue that speaks great things. Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Do you see this all ties in with yeah. what you're talking about? And human life isn't even valued anymore in this country. No. Because there's Mar Margaret Sanger, and that's the movement that started when I was in college. And we that. debated this stuff in sociology classes. Mm -hmm. I was in a lot of classes, <coughs> sociology classes. Minority groups, race relations, mm -hmm. probability and statistics for doing studies in sociology, um, women's rights, all that, mm -hmm. okay? And she started out with a false public agenda as far as providing health care and safe abortions for women that right. needed it for health reasons, okay, mother's life, whatever. And, you know, that has all been twisted oh, yeah. around through the years, yep. and then her true agenda came out to eliminate babies being born to minority groups. Mm -hmm. She was in uh, Hitler's uh, regime. <clears throat> She had that kind of a, a mindset to wipe out what she considered to be inferior groups. Mm -hmm. But people didn't know that until just recently that this was her primary agenda back in the day when all this started. And it wasn't, uh, it's not women's health care anymore. And it's not respect for life. You know, you know, you just have a loose uh, sexual lifestyle and you get pregnant, you know, just get rid of the inconvenience. You know, it's, uh, there's just no, no respect. And, and yes, those babies are living beings. They were spirits before they were knit together in their mother's wombs. But you notice that that is never debated. They are living beings. It's murder as far as I'm concerned. But um, uh, the devil is working really hard. It is the end times. And he's just wherever he can get a foothold. And if he can get you upset looking at your circumstances and get you to start speaking everything contrary to the word, he's got his foot in the door. And um, we need to be very careful. It's, it, it is spiritual warfare. And um, that's why it may sound kind of picky uh, when I talk about our everyday words and watching every word that comes out of the mouth, but that's where he looks to make a chink in the armor. Um, so we do have to be nitpicky about what we say and what we do. Now, when you um, talk about speech, there's power in every word. When you're talking about the speech getting off track with, with these kids, I've noticed with Brittany and Brianna, it's when they hear the answer no, or they don't get what they want. Mm -hmm. Then it's I'm horrible and calling me all kinds of names and swearing and cussing mm -hmm. and carrying on. But you don't know how many parents I've talked to about the, same about the kids and they're like, oh, they're just teenagers. That's typically, typically yeah. teenagers talk and act like that. They do and rebel, I, I said, well, but in my generation growing up, it was not tolerated. Right, and I said, well, my teenager's not going to talk about I'd have been like put that. in the corner. See, our dog acts like that. Put on my knees in the, at the piano <coughs> bench, you know. But it seems lot like A lot of parents would have slapped their kids. 
and we got paddled them whatever right our kids are in stuff together and they're in the guards or they're in cheerleading or whatever together and it seems like everybody's response is how that's how teenagers get yeah they and do then that. if you discipline them well, my teenagers not getting like don't. that and yeah. if they do they're not getting what they were acting like that about they're not going to their friend's house they just cuss me out i don't think so well there's this whole thing with children and youth I, I, I told Brian something he didn't like, and he threatened to call children youth. I said, well, here's the number. It's in my head. I'll be glad to give it to you, and if you think you're going to live any better anywhere else, yep. go ahead and try it. The girls do that. <laughs> yeah. They threaten, the they threaten to call police. They threaten to call children and youth, you know. And I don't know. It's just craziness. It's just all craziness. And that's the devil at work in everybody's lives every day. And we can't we can't let him get away with it. So let's uh, let's take Psalm a look at, twelve, uh, um, verse six. You read that? Yeah. Let's take a look at Psalm fifteen for a little bit of hope. Okay. Somebody else want to read that? Psalm fifteen. It's very short. <coughs> you just stay, stay in Psalm. The Psalms. Well, why don't you look at Psalm 14, since we're well, on this the topic. characteristics of the godless. Since we're on this topic, uh, the vile deeds the and evil. speech. And now when you say the vile deeds, but it's the speech a lot of times that goes right along that. And yes. that's what we're talking about. Okay. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, and there is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will ever evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread and do not call on the Lord? There they are, overwhelmed with dread. For God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. So there are those of us that are on that narrow path and the Lord will reward us, but it's up to us to watch our thoughts, words, and actions. Who will read okay. Psalm 15? Psalm 15. Do you want to read that? Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary, who may live on your holy hill, he whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his tongue or from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong, and cast no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without fencery, and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Usury is interest. Mm -hmm. Someone who does not charge exorbitant mm -hmm. interest. But see, the characteristics of the godly is what we're all talking about, that we can abide in God as our strength. You know, I find that important. Okay. 
So why don't we just read Psalm 16 then? Okay, I didn't go on that far, but... Because I was going to say, you know, I only had a couple of Psalms written here, and I was going to say, you know, if anybody has any other Psalms or verses that pop out at you, you know, let's go ahead and read them if you'd like. So let's uh, do Psalm 16. Ed, would you like to read he that? Will protect me, O God, for you I have found refuge, and in you do I put my trust and hide myself. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good beside or beyond you. As for the godly who are in the land, they are the excellent, the noble, the glorious, in whom all, we, all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied with choose other gods. They drink offerings of blood, for I will not offer or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen and assigned portion of my cup. You hold and maintain my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good heritage. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Yes, my heart instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory, my inner self rejoices my body to shall rest and confidently dwell in safety. For you are, will not abandon me to soul the place of the dead. Neither you suffer your your Holy One, Holy One, to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures furthermore. <coughs> okay, then I wanted to go to Psalm 18, verse 30, which all relates back to the verses in Romans. Oh, that one's highlighted. In my Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tested and tried. He is a shield to all those who take refuge and put their trust in him. There we go. Okay. And the uh, NIV says the word of the Lord is flawless. Mm-hmm. Blameless, I have here. Flawless, blameless. <clears throat> when it all comes down to it, you're looking at the fact that the only way to deal with all this trouble and trial on your life is to turn to God and trust in His Word. So when we speak God's Word, it's flawless. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's, um, let's go to the Proverbs. And uh, let's do uh, Proverbs 30. Okay, well, I'm just asking for verses 5 and 6. Oh. You want me to read? Okay. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he reprove you, and you be proved a liar. Okay, here again, uh, the NIV says every word of God is flawless. So the NIV seems to use flawless everywhere, <laughs> all the verses, and they connect the dots by doing that. 
Okay, so it's interesting to um, hear some of the other versions. Every word Not all is tested. They're flawless. flawless, but they were tested and found mm. to be flawless. Yeah. Basically, that's what that's saying. Anybody have anything different to add to that? Well, this says pretty much, uh, watch your tongue or God's going to reprove you. You're being proved a liar. Right. It says, and do not add to his words. So don't make up your own thing to add into that that's not quite in his spirit and truth. And in fact, every one of these sections in this psalm talk about things like, do not slander a slave to his master, lest he curse you and you be found guilty. There's a man who curses his father and, yeah, and doesn't bless his mother. Oh, my. The leech has two daughters. Give, give. <laughs> this entire, well, here you go. This uh, entire verse 17. The eye that mocks a father, that scorns obedience mother. to a mother. <laughs> the well, ravens of the valley will pluck read the rest it out. Of that. <laughs> the young eagles will eat it. So they <laughs> had that problem back in those days, too. It's not, it's yeah. not just now, but it seems like it's a whole lot worse now. Yeah. It's just a matter of degree. <clears throat> Okay, and then uh, flip back to Proverbs 10. Okay, okay Proverbs 10, verse 11. Okay, this, now this, this is directly telling us why uh, we need to speak the words of God. Okay, Proverbs 10, verse 11. Ryan, if you no, would read that. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Okay, so it's a fountain, it's a living water, it's fresh, it's renewing. Okay, and then read verses 20 through 22. Add that on to that. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of judgment. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. Okay. Choice silver. It's very valuable to have to speak the words of God. It is the blessing of the Lord. It'll bring that makes you life rich. life to your marrow. No life to your flesh, your body, life to your spirit, your soul, emotions. <clears throat> but then violence will, um, you know, overtake you and take you down. And um, the lips of the righteous will encourage and nourish others, build them up. But the fools lack judgment, and they will spiritually die in that lack. Now, that last verse is one you want to remember. And at some point, I'm, I would like to uh, do a long teaching on blessed to be a blessing. And Kenneth Copeland wrote a book and did a whole ser sermon series on this verse. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble with it. 
when the Lord blesses you, he blesses you. You don't have to work for it. He blesses you mightily. But when you get wealth through your own means, <coughs> Uh, there's always going to be a downside to earning it strictly on your own and not depending on God as your source. Um, one of the prime cases that we hear about is people that become workaholics, always working for the next mm -hmm. dollar, and then they neglect their wives and family. Then they never have enough. And, uh, you know, their families fall apart and they end up in divorce or... They lose their jobs because another corporation took over, so they lose all their sense of identity. They lose their resources, finances, everything. So uh, one of the main points that flows out of this verse is to depend on God as our source. And our, our blessings come from him. They flow from him. Uh, and when he does it, there are no bad consequences in that gaining of the blessings. Whatever the Lord gives you is given out of truth and purity and goodness, love, mercy, grace, and there's no bad in that giving from the Lord. So, <clears throat> anyway... God is the fountain of life. Also in, in Psalm 10, down to 31 and 32. Okay. The mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom, but the perverted tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous bring forth what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, wicked what is perverted. When I was a young boy, one of the first things that uh, Grandpa Strout gave me was a New Testament that had the Psalms and Proverbs in it. And he encouraged me to start reading the Bible by reading the Psalms and Proverbs. And he said, you ought to read this. You know, I think it'll be a help to you as you get older. And so I did. And then I started reading the New Testament. But it reminds me that when I was very young, mm -hmm. when I was about maybe 8 to 10, Grandpa Straub had given me the Psalms and Proverbs. Mm -hmm. See, it's a good foundation for yeah. life. Wisdom is the primary thing to obtain. Seeing God as your source is the primary thing to, to do. Yeah. Making him the focus of your life and letting everything flow from God. <clears throat> okay, now... Um, Go towards Ecclesiastes, that's after the Proverbs. Let's see. Proverbs. Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. It's just a short book of the Bible. And uh, let's read verse 14. also talks about what we were just discussing. God is as our source for everything, including our words. 
Okay. Let's back up to verse 9 and read from there. That'll piggyback on what we just discussed. But then keep, keep a special attention on when we get to verse 14. Because 14 is what relates back to that Romans verse. Okay? Who wants to read that? What Who chapter is it? Ecclesiastes 3. Three, nine, right? Yeah, nine <coughs> through fourteen. What profit profit remains for the worker from the from his toil? I have seen the painful labor and excursion and miserable business which God has given to the sons of men with which to exercise and busy themselves. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He also has planted Eternity in men's hearts and minds, a divine and planned a sense of purpose, working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy, yet so that man cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for, for them than to be glad and be get, to get and do good as long as they live, and also every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. And then 14 is the verse that's... I know that whatever God does, it endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. And God does it so that men will fear Him, revere and worship Him, knowing that He is... He is. Okay. So everything God does, or says, or has men write for Him, will endure forever. And he is the source, and nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken away from it. Okay? So, now, go th uh, from Ecclesiastes to Song of Solomon, and then you'll see Isaiah. And we're going to do Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Now, um, the verse I really want to point out is verse 11. Okay? But let's start at verse 8 because it talks about God's word will not return empty. So let's uh, start with verse 8 down through 11. Taylor? In an outburst of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting loving kindness, I will have compassion on you. Are you in 55? So, well, I'm on 54. This is the Lord your Redeemer. Okay. Okay. 55, verse 8. Verse 8 through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come, from, come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Okay. 
So our words are <coughs> our seeds that we're planting in the spiritual realm. <clears throat> and when we speak God's words, they will produce. And they'll accomplish what he desires and achieve the purpose for which he sent it. Okay. Any comments about that? Okay. Now we're going to jump back to Psalm again. Uh, Psalm 119. So just back up into the Psalms, 119. And, okay, I'd like this out of the NIV. So, Ryan, mm -hmm. if you would read from 89 to 105. Okay. <coughs> All right. <clears throat> Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth, and it endures. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Okay. And then go down and tack on verse 130. 130. Mm -hmm. The unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Okay. It's eternal. It's firm. It's faithful. <clears throat> it continues forever and ever through all the generations. So there's no changing in it. It's not a short-term deal. It's eternal. And you can count on it. And then uh, he talks about never forgetting the words, never forgetting the precepts, never... Uh, straying away from the foundations of God's word and actually seeking it out. Seek out God's precepts through his written word. Um, <clears throat> talking about loving the law, God's law, his spiritual laws that he put into place because they will work. Meditating on them, getting them into your mind, getting them into your spirit, down into your heart. 
And when you do all this, when you seek out the face of God and seek out his word and apply it to your life, you will gain divine insight and wisdom. And there may be lots of people around you that have higher degrees or spend more time obtaining education. But if it's not based on God's word, you will have more insight and wisdom than all those people with with their multiple PhDs. So um, it says, I have more insight than all my teachers and um, more understanding than the elders because, because of obeying God's precepts and living his word. Um, the words are sweet, and this is in there because honey was very valuable, and it was a very basic sweetener in that culture. So you'll see honey used a lot through the Bible, but it's so sweet like honey. <laughs> and, you know, the lamp unto the feet. The word gives light. <clears throat> okay, any, any comments on that? Okay. What time do you have there? I think it's five till? Yes, it is, dear. Okay. So why don't we just wrap it up there. And then next week, uh, we'll be continuing the same segment, but then we're, we're going to start moving into a little bit of a different aspect to why we should speak the words of God. So... Uh, this this talk more to the eternal aspect and the dependable, unchangeable, flawless perfection of his word. Uh, but there are somewhat lots of other reasons why we should speak God's words. Okay?